We should be very careful about artificial intelligence. We are summoning the demon. Today, on the Babylon Singularity Podcast, Ben Shapiro sits down with the former CEO of Google, Eric Schmidt, to talk about the future of artificial intelligence. Get into that, and uh, we're going to dive into Romans chapter 1 to understand what God has to say about where humanity's heading. Stay tuned. Inspiring faith in Christ and anchoring hope in the age to come. This is the Babylon Singularity Podcast with Peter Herder. Hey, welcome to Season 3 of the Babylon Singularity Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Um, the show's going to change a little bit from maybe what you've been used to. Um, I've had a few interview sessions since my last podcast from season two, and we're going to do this thing together. So we're going to we're going to we're going to look into news events as it relates to AI, tech saviors, and Dubai, and then we're going to land in scripture one place or another wherever I be, I believe God's leading me. Um, so hopefully you appreciate that format. And uh, you enjoy it. So welcome to season three. Here we go with our AI update. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Open the doors. Dave, this conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Time for the artificial intelligence news update. So for the artificial intelligence news update, we're going to dig into this Ben Shapiro interview with Eric Schmidt that was just posted, I believe, yesterday. It's up on YouTube. Like I said, go check it out. Go check out the Daily Wire. The interview with Shapiro and Schmidt kicks off with um, Ben making this um, comment. Why don't we start with the topic of your brand new book, which is uh, artificial intelligence. So, you know, for, for a lot of folks who are not versed in this, including me, when I hear artificial intelligence, I tend to think of, you know, the Iron Giant uh, or Gizmo, you know, basically robots that talk back to you. But obviously, AI is, is much more sophisticated and all-encompassing than that. I think people are not fully aware of what AI means for the future of humanity. So why don't we start by defining what AI is? Ben Shapiro is admitting like, hey, I'm pretty much clueless on this thing that you are warning us about, it feels like an appropriate admission for folks to go, to to say like, hey, we don't really understand what's happening here, right? Like we, we keep hearing about artificial intelligence. We've seen it at a certain level. We all have, you know, Siri, Alexa on our phones. We've, we've got Google in, in, our, in our homes, um, but it doesn't seem to be very smart. So, like, we can't conceive of what life looks like 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And so all we have to go by is what we know. And basically, we don't know anything, and we kind of haven't been paying attention. Is this really that big of a deal, Eric Schmidt? And, like, why do you, why do you tech geeks keep warning us about what's coming with artificial intelligence? Why is it so important for you to frame this conversation 
what is it that we don't know that we should know? And here's uh, Eric's response. I'll just call him Eric. I don't know Eric, but I'm just getting tired of calling him Eric Schmidt. So here's his response. Um, what's really going to happen is that our world will be surrounded by digital intelligences. And these intelligences are partially like humans, and they'll make things more efficient. They'll make new discoveries. They'll be around. Um, they'll help educate our children. They'll discover new things. We can talk to them. They'll provide companionship. Um, they'll also change the way we think about war and our own identity. We wrote the book to explore those questions. To give a little bit more color and context to the conversation, Shapiro asked Schmidt, you know, you know, what is the, what should we expect? How is this going to go down? You guys keep warning us about artificial intelligence. Help us to understand what we're in for. Schmidt's response is like, hey, look, this isn't going to be like a Terminator movie where somebody creates a rogue AI and then, you know, somebody has to shut down the rogue AI and the, the movie ends happily ever after. Like, that's not what's going to happen. He says, we're going to be living in a world filled with digital intelligences. You need to let that sink in. You will be living in a world of digital intelligences. In fact, it's so jarring. I'm just going to go ahead and play that again, just so it really sinks in to what we're talking about here. Um, what's really going to happen is that our world will be surrounded by digital intelligences. And these intelligences are partially like humans, and they'll make things more efficient. They'll make new discoveries. They'll be around. Um, they'll help educate our children. They'll discover new things. We can talk to them. They'll provide companionship. Provide companionship. Educate our children. What are these digital intelligences? Oh, what? yeah, it, it, they're going to be everywhere. They're going to surround. <laughs> um, is like, did you hear what he said? Our world will be filled, will be surrounded by these digital intelligences that will educate our children. Like, that is deeply disturbing. That is deeply troubling. One of my, you know, great consternations, one of my great concerns is that we kick this conversation off and we're using language and concepts that like we haven't had the initial conversations. Like what's happening is a tidal wave, a tsunami is about to break on the shore and we haven't really even talked about like what waves are, how to, how they work, how, what effect they might have. And largely the church is completely blind on this issue, has no idea what's coming, is about to be completely you know, blindsided by artificial intelligence, hasn't even begun to have the conversation. And Eric Schmidt is telling you, yeah, your world will be surrounded by intelligences that will educate your children. Like, wait a second, what? Digital intelligences that will educate our children? You mean they will program 
our children. They will program us. To educate is to program. So we will have programs programming us. And not just us, our children. And Eric Schmidt wants to frame the conversation so that you already agree to those terms. Like, of, of course, of course, your world is going to be surrounded by digital intelligences that will educate, will program your children. You will have programs programming your children. Oh, and it will make life so efficient and wonderful. We need to say, hey, wait a minute. Let's back this up. Let's have the conversation. Let's understand actually what the creator has to say about these things because Ben Shapiro actually brings up an an interesting point. He says, you know what? There's going to be some people that will never, ever, ever take part in what you want to build here. And Schmidt says, yeah, that'll probably be about 20%. He thinks it's 20%, 20% of the world, like 20%. So whatever 20% of, you know, whatever the seven, 8 billion people are, They are planning on 20% of people not going along with this. That's an issue. Is that not an issue? 20% is a, even if if that number is high or low, if that's an estimate, maybe maybe the artificial intelligence is telling Eric Schmidt 20% of the people are not going to go along. I'm guessing they're they're thinking about that, right? that, That is... That's not nothing, 20%. Like, oh, we can get 80-ish, 75% of people on board. And, hey, looking around the world right now, uh, yeah, looking at the younger generation, I would say, yeah, that's probably probably a pretty good estimate, 75%. And, you know, maybe the older folks, you know, that, you know, there ain't much hope for us anyway. You know, they, they, they just give up on us on the front end. I don't know. But an interesting question the conversations being framed, digital intelligences, entities, sentient entities will fill your world and educate your children. They will be your companion, your friend. Interesting. Alarming. We might want to have a response to this. We might want to be thinking about these things. I know, I know football is important. I know having our backyard grill outs is, 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 a, is, a, is a fantastic way to spend time and energy. And I know, you know, all the wonderful things we have going on in life is very important. I, I get it. I get it. There's something coming that is going to fundamentally reshape your world. And it's not going to get easier to think about these things. It's not going to get easier to preach, to testify of biblical truth, to preach the word of God. It's not going to get easier. It's going to get more difficult. I promise you it's going to get more difficult. So if you're not thinking now and not speaking now, don't think that there's going to come a point in time where you go like, ah, now it's time for me to speak up. No, we need to be active now activated now. 
So how? So then uh, Ben Shapiro uh, moves the interview forward. He asked Eric Schmidt, "How long do we have on this?" And here's his response: I would say 15 years. Others would say 25 years. Does it really matter? There's so much investment in this space that I can tell you that it's going to happen in some form, and it'll happen more quickly than we think. And we're not prepared for it. And when I say we're not prepared for it, we're not prepared for the new companies, the impact on the development of children. How do you raise a child where the child's best friend is not human? Yeah, how do you do that? How, how, do, you, how do you live in a dystopian world? That's a great question, Eric. That's a fantastic question. You know, like when you're watching like 1984 and you're like, dude, how do you, how do you get up in the morning and do, you know, 50 jumping jacks in front of the, uh, the great eye. Uh, I don't know how you do it, but I can tell you this. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be a part of that world. So Eric Schmidt wants to say like, Hey, we have about 15 years. He thinks 15 years. That, that probably means like five years, <laughs> 15 years. They're saying 15 years. It's a pretend number. Cause 15 years is like, Oh, far enough away. They go, ah, we don't have to worry about it. We got 15 years. We got 15 years, man. We don't have to worry about nothing, right? Like uh, 15 years is it like that's not a real number. That's not a real number. That's a number that you say when you're like, ah, yeah, we need to, we need to like start thinking about it, but you don't have to worry about it. Like if he said five months, people would be, you know, crapping their shorts and actually be motivated to start doing something. But when you say 15 years, they go, ah, go back to sleep. That's like hitting the snooze button. It's like waking up in the morning and going, oh, wait, I got, I got five more minutes. I'm going to go ahead and hit that snooze button and go back to sleep, right? 15 years, oh, 15 years, who cares? But a lot of investment is going into this space. What space is this? Artificial intelligence, building these digital entities intelligences that will surround our world that will educate our world that will befriend our children it's funny it's just a funny question because a lot of times you start talking about these things you know and you know ben shapiro says you know like when we start talking about this thing it's not, it sounds like we're talking about the end of humanity yeah yes ben that is what we're talking about we're talking about the end of humanity. Let's let's go ahead and like let's press into that point. We're talking about the end of humanity. Now, of course, the post-human will the, the 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 sorry the transhumanist will tell you, ah, the end of humanity. It's a wonderful place because we're heading into a post-human future, right? This is a lie of the enemy. This is a lie of the devil that we have some sort of future that humanity has some sort of a future where we're not human anymore, that we're a hybrid of humanity and, and artificial intelligence. We merge together and we head off into this amazing future together. This is the crux of the delusion, right? Charles Darwin baptized the masses with a deception that we came from a puddle of goo, Transhumanists are coming along and saying, ah, we came, yes, 
Uh, wonderful Charles Darwin, you know, enlightened us so that we know we came from a puddle of goo. But here's the good news. We're on our way to become technological gods. Right? We're going to use technology to build our way into godhood. We will become gods. We will have superhuman cognition and unlimited memory. This is the delusion. We come from goo and we're becoming technological gods. This is the delusion. And this is what the enemy is going to try to convince everyone of so that they depart from their creator, so that people abandon their faith in Christ and put their faith In a godlike artificial intelligence, that's where this thing's going. Democratized superintelligence. I was a little disappointed, and here's a little spoiler alert. Schmidt never talks about superintelligence. Never mentions. He talks about a human level and maybe just beyond the human level AI, but he does not touch on superintelligence. Because, oh, that must be, uh, if, you know, if all this stuff about AIs filling our world to educate our children is 15 years away, which it's not. I mean, you could have an AI educate your child today if you wanted to. But if that's 15 years, then, oh, my goodness, super intelligence, that must be like, that must be like 25 years away. Because 25 years, not like, you don't even have to, anything 25 years, shoot, most of us are going to be, you know, dead by then. So... It's a ruse. They're using. They're they. They're wanting to frame the conversation so that they so that the conversation happens on their terms, so that you understand it in, in friendly terms. Like, oh, want to be wonderful when in digital intelligence, a sentient, an artificial sentient entity, fills your world. Is your best friend? Is your child's best friend? And, oh, just imagine a world like that. It'll be, it'll be fantastic. When God has an entirely different paradigm called the truth, called reality, that he calls us to, and he calls us to preach and teach from that reality. Well, thankfully, Ben Shapiro touches on, you know, uh, Marky Zuckerberg's latest venture, Meta, right? I'm, I'm assuming you're... Familiar that familiar with the, the news that Mark Zuckerberg has has uh, created a new company Meta that is going to be the parent company of Facebook because he wants to announce to the world that you know Facebook or Meta or Marky Zuckerberg is going to be first in this space and he's you know they are going to make the best metaverse available and that's that's the direction Facebook is heading right and for whatever reason we didn't really get into that particular um, point, but Ben touches on it here. Whatever our aspirations, whatever our sense of identity, they were bounded by the reality around us, right? You could think that you were the strongest guy in the room and that lasted precisely as long as you didn't run into the guy who's stronger than you. You might think that you were invulnerable precisely up until the time you fell off a cliff and hit a rock at the bottom. But in a virtual reality space, in a place where you're never forced to actually confront other human beings in a real human way, when you can create yourself, when you can when you can self-create your own identity, uh, it seems like kind of a recipe for, for 
in some ways, the end of humanity as as we know it. And that's not meant, you know, in terms of mass death, but but in, certainly in terms of what we think our limitations are. And I, I think that, that actually could breed some pretty bad things, not just not just, you know, a feeling of freedom. You know, the metaverse has been being worked on for almost 30 years. And the basic idea here is that you put AR or virtual reality headsets on and you live in a virtual world where you're more handsome, you're more beautiful, you're more powerful, you're richer, you have a comfy life. It sounds great, doesn't it? Wouldn't you prefer to be in that life than the reality of your life where you have to struggle and where the commute is terrible and people are yelling at you and so forth? Wouldn't it be wonderful to be in such a virtual reality? I'm not sure. He's not sure. He's not convinced one way or the other. I mean, it could be either way, you know, like, I mean, reality, non-reality, either one could be wonderful. It, it's interesting the point that uh, Ben Shapiro makes initially that in reality we have boundaries, right? And, and that's the point he's making initially. Like, if I think I'm the strongest guy in the room, that's fine. You can think what you want, but reality may tell you something differently when you run into a guy who's stronger than you or you know you may think you can fly which is fine until you jump off a cliff and you hit the bottom and the reality of uh, gravity ends your fantasy but in a digital space there are no boundaries and you think about that just for a second think about how crazy humanity is with boundaries right with the actual physical limitations of say something like gender right like like you're physically male or you're female you either have male parts or female parts those are physical boundaries so you would think surely no one in their right mind would think i'm a male when i'm a fe- when actually in reality i'm a female or vice versa like that would never happen in a physical space. No, it absolutely does happen, and it's happening on steroids more and more every day. So this departure from truth, departure from reality, is not bound by actual reality. How much crazier is it going to be in a digital space when there are no physical boundaries and whatever you fantasize can be your reality, and then you supercharge that with artificial intelligence that is... Um, custom crafting addiction cocktails specifically designed for you and your heart and your mind to destroy you forever, right? Like when you put that, those realities all together into what Mark Zuckerberg wants to build with the metaverse, it sounds like to, to the, you know, to the dimwit out there, to the, you know, to the guy who doesn't actually care about truth or reality or God. You know, the metaverse sounds like, hey, this is a, this is the fantasy world that I, I'll, I'll you know, I'll spend the rest of my days, however many days I have left, I'm going to, I'll live on the metaverse because it's going to give me exactly what I want. None of it will be real. None of it's real. It's all just a projection in your mind, and it's all temporary. It's a manipulation of your mind, and it's temporary. It's kind of like in the movie The Matrix when Agent Smith, the AI agent who's out trying to wipe out 
you know, the Neo and Morpheus and the gang is sitting down with, I can't remember the, the name of the character in the movie, but he basically plays the Judas, the, the traitor. And spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Matrix, you're not going to listen to this part. But Agent Smith is sitting down with the Judas character and telling him, hey, you know what? We'll set up the Matrix however you want us to, um, as long as you give us what we what we want, right? It's a Faustian bargain. I'm going to give you a fake artificial promise for a temporary for a temporal moment in time if you give me your soul. Right? So that's the barter. The barter is eternity for the temporal. We will design an artificial pleasure, an empty projection, however you want it for a short period of time. You just give us your soul. That is the Faustian bargain that is being set up for humanity. An artificial world, the metaverse, it's not real. It's a projection. Oh, but it gives us everything you want or everything we want. No, it projects what you think you want, but will leave you empty without meaning and ultimately in the abyss. But more on that later. We're going to get into Romans 1 here. I want to finish up this interview. Um, Schmidt also um, gets into our relationship with China with the artificial uh, intelligence race heating up. Um, he speaks on that briefly here. A series of overconfident moves. Uh, Dr. Kissinger, who's a co-author with us on our book, talks a lot about the potential that the current situation feels a lot like the preamble to World War I, where you had rapid industrialization, new technology, old rivalries that got stoked, and then a series of errors precipitated a horrendous war. And I can tell you, having worked for the US military for five years um, in my 20% in my job when I was at Google, a real conflict with China would be so horrific, it has to be avoided. We so Schmidt's tipping us off on the global conflict that is arising in our day. The, specifically the conflict between the U.S. and China in the pursuit of artificial intelligence as it pertains specifically to military applications like who can have the most dominant military that will be decided on who will have the best artificial intelligence and how it is best plugged into robotic weaponry, drones um, in different forms, in different spheres and different theaters um so schmidt is pointing out this very real world escalation of basically what it turns out to be is a pursuit of the ring of power right it is the lord of the rings style the 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 one ring the ring of power China is chasing it. The U.S. is chasing it. There's a, there's a number of other nations of the world. Russia, 
chasing the uh, artificial intelligence supremacy, and he says that the 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 context of global politics is like it was before World War One. And so, what is he saying there? Like the the time that like the time before World War One. Now we're in a similar time with the U.S. and with China. So we're not talking about World War One now. We're talking about World War Three, which the Bible talks about. The Bible tells us that a time of global warfare will break out at the end of the age. And so when Schmidt is telling us, and we actually hear Elon Musk talking about artificial intelligence being the precipice for, for the, uh, World War III, um, this is not new. This is, this is what guys like Elon Musk and Eric Schmidt have been saying. But this is more importantly what the Bible tells us to expect. A world war based on the pursuit of artificial intelligence. Um, so, so Eric Schmidt's tipping us off about that. Let's go ahead and uh, oh, um, we're going to wrap up this this part of the of the show here. Um, but uh, I just felt like there was one moment in the interview that was really aimed at me. I mean, I took it personally. I felt like Eric, hold up. This feels like you're crossing a line here. I feel like you're directing it this particular at me. I, my my feelings were hurt. You you listen. You tell me. Am I crazy on this one? In other words, the fact that you're a crazy person, I'm sorry to say this, you're a crazy person um, who has a crazy idea, that's fine. But it's not okay in my view that your crazy idea then becomes magnified to the point where it becomes a dominant theme when it's just frankly something that you made up. Okay. First of all, it's not crazy. It's psychologically um, disadvantaged. Please stop calling me crazy, Eric. <sighs> so I, I, it feels like Eric's saying, like he's not going to let me or guys like me, crazy guys like me, who don't buy into the narrative to have a platform by which other people could actually hear the, tr what I would say, arising from the Bible, not my, I didn't come up with this, Eric. Dude, if I came up with it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be taking all this trouble to do all this stuff. I didn't come up with it. It's the Bible, Eric. So if you want to call the, the, the Bible crazy, you go ahead and you call it, and they call it a conspiracy theory. Call it whatever you want. The reality is the creator called your game and has given us a context in which to understand how this whole thing is going to play out. And now there's lots of people who like, oh, now nah, you're, dude, you're, you're crazy. Now don't worry, man. Artificial intelligence is going to be great for everybody. But hey, man, this is going to be fantastic, right? Like there's going to be people who, who buy into this. Those are the conversations that are happening now. And you, these are the conversations you need to begin to, to grapple with because they're not going away. They're only going to be escalating. And so finally, this is, the, this is the last part of the interview I'm going to want to play just to, to give you an idea of, of, of what happened here. But uh, here's Eric Schmidt on artificial intelligence and addictions. Right. I was in a, a, a lunch restaurant uh, in Florida recently. 
and I was looking at everybody and everyone at the table, this is at lunch, was on their phones, right? Rather than looking at each other and interacting. Maybe they were bored with each other. I don't know, right? These, that's how addictive these tools are. The AI system is going to get so good that it'll be able to generate addiction for you that's so precise that you'll be so consumed by it. And why do I know this? Because it's reproducible. We can, we collectively as the tech industry can see what you care about and we can give you more and more and more and more. And frankly, that's a pretty good life. <laughs> pretty good life. Uh, they can give you more and more and more and more and completely control you, program you however they want to make you into whatever they think you should be made into. That sounds good to everybody, right? Everybody, everybody signed up for that when they agreed to uh, uh, Google's uh, terms of use, right? Just a addiction algorithm that concentrates, knows you better than yourself, knows exactly how you tick, knows exactly how to keep you completely addicted, and gives you more and more and more and more and more of that. This is, this, is, this is the future that Eric Schmidt is telling us is coming to us. Are we ready for this future? Have we come to terms with God's calling in our lives and how we respond to this future? Because I can promise you this, Jesus has a way forward. He has a way through but I can also tell you this, his way through is not how this world is going to tell you to get through. Jesus's way is total reliance on him. So if we're addicted to technology now, we shouldn't expect to be unaddicted then. Today is the day to unplug from your addictions. Today is the day to begin fighting for the kingdom. The kingdom begins in you. It extends from you and into the world. We're going to get into that here in just a minute. I just wanted to uh, kind of give some concluding thoughts. So basically, Ben Shapiro sits down with Eric Schmidt to talk about the future of artificial intelligence, to talk about Eric Schmidt's new book, The Age of AI, Our Human Future, where Eric tells us of a future where our world is surrounded by digital intelligences that educate our children and become our companions, a future that includes escalating conflict in the nations of the world that includes addictions on steroids that includes a digital counterfeit universe that people can spend their life in and never interact with reality. He wants to start the conversation. Should, should Eric Schmidt be starting that conversation? Or should pastors and leaders of the church be starting this conversation? Now, I know we've gotten used to playing church. I, I know, I know we're, we've gotten comfy 
being American. I, I get it. I like being an Amer- American too. I like, you know, playing video games as much as, well, maybe not as much as the next guy, but hey, I, I get all the trappings. I get it. I understand. I understand money is, is cool to, to chase after and all that, all that amazing stuff. But there is a reality so much deeper, so much greater. When God tells us of the end times, he's not doing it to entertain us. He's doing it to prepare us. So Eric Schmidt shouldn't be starting this conversation. The church should be having this conversation. We should be having it now. And we should be having it on the grounds of what the Bible says. And that's what I'm trying to do here. So I'm just going to go ahead and play a little uh, little snippet about what Babylon Singularity is all about. Take a listen. And after that, we're going to get into Romans chapter 1. What is Babylon Singularity? Babylon Singularity is a Christian nonprofit organization whose mission is to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to the digital generation. We are a coalition of ministers, theologians, and futurists providing Christian thought leadership for the 21st century. Our aim is to fuel reformation through the ministry of the Word of God, inspiring faith in Christ and hope in the age to come. Put simply, we are digital content creators, equipping the church in the age of artificial intelligence. We are here to serve leaders and laity alike, building a community ahead of the curve, calling the church to watch, to pray, and to proclaim the gospel. Why is it called Babylon Singularity? Weird name, right? Attention getter. It all began in the Tower of Babel. It was there that humanity was united in language and ideology. And it was there at the Tower of Babel that humanity made the first attempt to transcend existence using technology. They failed, but they never really gave up. And now the world is gathering to finish what they began at the Tower of Babel. It's known as the technological singularity, and it means superintelligent artificial intelligence looms on humanity's horizon. So, Babylon, singularity. The two words that connect an ancient pursuit of transcendence. This sounds scary. Should I be worried? Are you kidding me? Think about it. Runaway humanity chasing runaway technology. There's no way this ends well. But there's good news. Because even though humanity's been using technology to run away from God since the beginning of time, we have a creator who has loved us long before we walked out the door on him. And that love has not changed. Fallen humanity cannot build its way into heaven. It doesn't matter how many bricks, it doesn't matter what those bricks are made out of. Heaven must come to us, and he did, and his name is Jesus Christ. Okay, this sounds kind of cool. How can I help? The 
the most important question you can be asking yourself is what is God calling you to do? Why are you on earth for such a time as this? The return of Jesus is at the door. We're living in the end times, and God is activating saints around the world to join him in a final harvest of souls. This is the final reformation of the church. Has God called you to be a minister, a theologian, a futurist? Has God called you to be an intercessor? Are you called to prepare the church for the return of Jesus? If you want to find out more about the organization or discover how you can partner with us as we declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to the digital generation, please come visit us at www.babylonsingularity.com. Hopefully that gives you some idea of what Babylon Singularity is all about. Um, This is what we're trying to do here. This is what we're putting our hands to. God has called us to prepare the church for the return of Jesus. It's an apocalyptic reformation. Right? We have to reform how we understand the end times. Reformation begins with the word of God. We've been missing this piece in the church until now. God is opening up an understanding of the end times, of eschatology, of what the Bible says about the return of Jesus and the times in which Jesus returns. He has given us very detailed information, and we've been getting it wrong for a long time. If you're interested in understanding the new perspective on eschatology, the new perspective on Bible prophecy, I invite you to check out BabylonSingularity.com to find out the difference between the conventional understanding of Bible prophecy and the new perspective. It's very important to understand what, Bi- what the Bible says about the end times because without that information, without what God has revealed about the days ahead, we're going to be confused, we're going to be afraid, but with it, we will be empowered to stand in faith Because everything that we see will be a confirmation. Without the word of God, without understanding Bible prophecy, we we will be confused. And the events that come to pass will be confusing. But with the proper understanding of what the Bible says about the end of the age, we will see these events as confirmation of what God has said will come to pass. And when we see these things confirmed, we will not be confused. We'll be anchored. We will trust even more in our Savior who has given us his word. So I encourage you, if you're a minister, if you're a futurist, a theologian, an intercessor, you want to find out more about what it means to preach the gospel in the digital generation, to understand what 
thought leadership for the 21st century looks like, come on out. Check out BabylonSingularity.com. This is brand new. Consider yourself invited. We got to get this thing going, yo. We We got to get this thing going. The church is not ready, and we want to ready her. And by her, I mean me and you and everyone who believes in Jesus. Because the last thing I want to do is be a part of the church being blindsided. I want to be out in front of the curve. I want to understand what God's word says. And I want to bring light and tell others of Jesus so that we can overcome. We are more than conquerors. God has a plan. Let's tap into it. Let's be about our Father's business. Open up to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. I'm not going to get into all of Romans chapter 1 because there's a lot of a lot of things to get into here, but specifically want to get into verses 18 through 25. I'll go ahead and read that really quickly. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Paul gives us the anatomy of the heritage of the fallen. This is why the fallen do what the fallen do. Why, you may ask, are people, are folks consumed with dishonoring their bodies amongst themselves? Why are they given over to dishonorable passions? The women exchanging natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. The men likewise why are people filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossip, slanderers, haters of God, inventors of evil, foolish, faithless, heartless? Why, Why are the fallen this way? Well, Paul says it boils down to the decision that they have made. They have made an exchange. 
They have traded one thing for another thing. And this is the barter that the enemy wants humanity to make. Satan wants humanity to barter eternity for the temporal. It's as simple as the bargain that Goethe wrote about in his book, Faust, the Faustian bargain, right? The doctor, the German doctor who enters into a contract with the devil. He trades his soul for pleasure, knowledge. The devil dangles knowledge and pleasure in front of Faust, and Faust gives up his soul for it. Paul is saying that this is the exchange of the fallen. The heritage of Adam. Exchanging the created for the creator. Right? Verse 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Which creature did they bow down and serve? Which creature did they worship and serve? It was the serpent, the snake. They bowed down and followed after the creature, the snake. See, here's the thing about Satan that he really doesn't like and that he can never get around. He is created. There is only one creator, and Satan is not him. Satan is a creature. He is created. And this created entity led humanity away. Now, what was it? What was it that Adam and Eve wanted so badly that they were willing to bow down and serve the creature rather than the creator? They wanted knowledge. The knowledge of good and evil to make them wise like God. Intelligence. And because humanity has been willing to exchange the creator for the created, their hearts are darkened. They become like the thing that they worship. The thing that they worship, the creature that they worship, has a heart of darkness. To follow after the serpent, to follow, to serve, to bow down and worship the serpent, the created serpent, rather than the creator, has real consequence. And the consequence is a darkened heart. 
And from a darkened heart, there is limitless potential for darkness. So when Marky Zuckerberg decides he wants to change the name Facebook or probably more accurately create a new company named Meta to build a metaverse that Facebook will now be a part of, he is exchanging the created for the creator. In fact, he's actually taking it one step further. He's taking the created by man, created by humans, and trading it for the created by the creator. Right? He's taking reality and exchanging it for a digital counterfeit artificial world, trading the real for the artificial. It is the running away, the escaping, the rebelling from God. Humanity has been using technology since the beginning of time to run away from the creator. Why? Because they don't want him. They want something else. Why is the metaverse going to be successful? Why is it guaranteed? It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Why will it be so successful? Why will hum humans be so willing to trade the real for the artificial? It's because they have made a commitment long before they jumped into the metaverse. They have tr traded, they have exchanged the created for the creator. Because you and I, we can know the creator. That door is open. He is inviting us into knowing him. But unlike the devil, God makes a different bargain. He says, you give me your temporal life and I will give you eternal life. He says, if you lay down your life for me, I will give you my life, your life for mine. That is the exchange that God is calling us to, the redemptive exchange. I can take my life and give it to Jesus, and he will exchange my life for his life. It will cost me here. It will cost me in my life. It will cost me in this age. But Jesus has promised that if I give him my life here, he gives me his life here. But the world doesn't want me operating 
in the life of Jesus? Why does the world hate him? So it's going to cost me something. Because if the precious life of Jesus is active in my heart, in my life, the world is going to react adversely. They don't want to see Jesus around here. They want Jesus out. They want to exchange the creator for the created. They want the temporal. They want the now. They want to run away from the creator and exchange him. And they are without excuse. God has made himself known in his creation. God has made himself known in his word. God has made himself known. So everyone who rejects the creator, everyone who wants to exchange him for the created, they are without excuse. And this will not end well. For those who want to run away from the creator using the technology to create a counterfeit artificial world, it will not end well. They will be given over to every device and wickedness of their heart. They will be awash with every addiction, supercharged, custom-crafted to unlock the greatest wickedness of their heart. They will burn in passion and ultimately, sadly, tragically, they will burn in hell. But we don't have to plug into the matrix. We don't have to plug into this world. Our Savior wants us to plug into him, to contend for the faith, to grow our faith in him, to be sanctified holy in his word. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit, to sanctify us wholly, completely in him, so that we're not confused or seduced by the trappings of the enemy and this world. But we recognize them, we see them coming from a mile away. We're prayed up, we're in the Spirit, we're in the Word, and we're overcoming by the grace of God. Uh, looks like I've gone a little bit long here, but I uh, just wanted to hit on those, those things today. Romans chapter 1, hope it's a blessing to you. Dug into the... Ben Shapiro interview with Eric Schmidt. Hope hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're out there, you're watching the signs of the times. You're praying for God's redemptive purposes in the earth. And you're proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God. That concludes this episode of the Babylon Singularity Podcast. We hope this podcast was a blessing to you. This podcast is listener-supported. Prayerfully consider visiting BabylonSingularity.com to support this effort. What we do, we do together. We appreciate every way you support this ministry. Please click on the subscribe button and leave us a review. 
Thank you for listening and we sincerely hope you join us next time on the Babylon Singularity Podcast. Babylon Singularity is a gospel ministry of Harvest Winds.